Good afternoon, Emily. Hi. Hello. Afternoon is right. Yeah, this is a weird time for us, huh? It's we don't do this nice. generally. We've actually been pretty stupid busy getting ready for our new album, so we're jamming yeah. these in when we can at this point. Exactly. We just walked around St. Helena, got some delicious cold-pressed coffee. Yeah, it's um, we're starting to get... Uh, with daylight savings into that kind of warm time of year and you can smell the flowers and it's like 75 degrees today. So here we it's are like inside. The first day of summer, basically. <laughs> it feels like the first day of it summer. It feels like we're getting on it, which is which is nice. It's like that breath of fresh air after like the depression of, of dark winter time. So I'm ready for it. It was so rainy. This like this whole season, is, I think we're maybe officially out of the drought. I'd have to double check that statement. But I, I think, think we've been out of the drought since 2017, yeah, but I, I could be wrong. So out of, well, I know Santa Barbara when I was living down there, it was one of the most impacted counties and areas in California. So, but I think the Bay Area has been out for a while, right? Uh, I think it was like 2012, 13, 14, 15, and maybe 16. And I and I know that because, or I have a sense of that because um, the drought was actually kind of really good for uh, wine, oh, um, yeah, and it yeah. made those vintages really like basically when really delicious. Basically, when the vine has to struggle. Um, it means it's going to focus all its energy, like any plant, on on the fruit as opposed to like I don't know the leaves or like the bad fruit. So it really focuses all its energy on that fruit. So you get these really like intense flavored wines from those vintages. And what vintages are those? Twelve, what years? thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, and I I'm on the fence about sixteen. But I did talk to my winemaker the other day, and he said his favorite recent um he's talking about like in the 70s his favorite vintages and he said his favorite recent ones are 2012 and 16 so six, mm. i know 16 is gonna be good yeah nice so and we're already starting to see those wines so come we gotta out. stock up is what you're saying yeah well i'm vintages. i'm bummed because our so tom and i got together in 2009 so we have our 10-year anniversary this year actually Ooh. and so we collect 2009 wines vintages like to open on our anniversary and then we got married in 2017 so i'm like okay we'll start collecting 2017s but i've heard really mixed oh that stuff makes sense. about yeah. also the, there was a fire the right fire the napa yeah. fires happened in 2017 in october so a lot of people had like probably two-thirds of their grapes pulled but there was oh shit yeah it's so we'll see, <laughs> so and we'll the, and see. i'm sure the smoke affects the fruit to a certain extent or do they it, wash it and it so doesn't it, like it i'm can, trying to imagine so like my understanding of it um someone's gonna correct me but i don't care is that the grapes are more vulnerable to smoke taint when they're still developing so by october they're pretty well developed they're okay. like ready to roll and when were and the they fires have a thicker again? skin what, what october so there was october, october like 8th or 9th it was right after uh we went to it was a weird weekend we had saturday we played um dash and then we did outside lands remember that day this is 2017. It was like October. 7th. No, it wasn't Outside Lands. It was Hardly sorry, Strictly. Sorry, I missed yeah, Hardly, Hardly Strictly. Strictly. We yeah. saw Sturgill Simpson. And then the next day. God, that was three years ago? 2017. Oh, so. two years ago. Two yeah. Years ago. And Jesus. then uh, the a next and day, and that yeah. Sunday, I think it was the 8th, Tom and I went to Lily's wedding and I was in her wedding. And I remember we were in Sassoon and it was crazy hot and crazy windy. Like her, like her wedding photos, her like veils fucking flying off her head. <laughs> like it's like, so it was so insanely windy and that's pretty close to Napa. And then the next morning we woke up to like the text about the, to like, it just was like, we had no power. It like reeked of smoke and everybody, like I had like 14 texts when I woke up that was like, are you okay? And I'm that's, like, something's yeah, going on. I, I feel like we had this fires at the same time because when I was in Santa Barbara in 2017, they had those hellacious fires down there yeah, too. It was, uh, it was more around Christmas for you. Was it was, right? it was in December. Yeah. I think it started in late November. And then 
So I remembered I got a text that was just basically like, oh, there's crazy fires, whatever. And, and yeah. we didn't think any of it, anything of it because there are a lot of fires in right. Santa Barbara, but they usually go Yeah, they <laughs> usually go out it. pretty quick. And, um, and yeah, then all of a sudden it was just like people are getting evacuated. The sky turns like orange, orange and yeah. brown. Everything's you can't and, breathe like, very well. You go out of your, yeah. to your car, it looks like there's snow on it, but it's just ash. Yeah, I remember and, that. Um, from and then we get to the point team. where where we can't even go outside if we're not just migrating to our car. And then when you get to your car, you migrate to your office, and then yeah. you, that that's the only time you're allowed to be outside, and you have to wear one of those masks the whole time. Oh yeah, we my my winery I was working at the at the time just closed, and they said everybody evacuate, just go home. And then well, yeah. what sucks about it though is that like they can say okay the taste. I was working in the tasting room at the time. They're like, taste rooms closed to the public, but we're in the middle of harvest. So production, production is all the people that yeah. are making the wine physically, like moving the juice from, through the barrels and all this shit. They still need to be there. Like you can't just leave the wine chilling yeah. in a fucking barrel without like mixing it or whatever they're doing. Um, so they had to be there every day. Like the yeah, production team. hazard pay shit. Dude, right? They're like just yeah. chilling and like the fires are blazing in the hill behind them and it's like, um, is everybody okay? But you can't, you know, you can't ditch the wine. Yeah, so I only missed those one. Those are the real heroes. I only missed one day in my office due to like I missed the, 10. The it was smoke great. or whatever. Yeah, that was awesome. Been, it's like we kind of nice. Well, it drove us lame. a little. <laughs> it drove us a little crazy. So Tom and I both evacuated from St. Helena because the fires were all. Oh yeah, you us. were in uh, Concord. So we were in Concord for ten days. That was like getting us a little stir crazy. Yeah. Like we we spent some time like being tourists in the city and like I'm like damn we have ten days off like what are we gonna well we didn't know how long it would be yeah. but yeah we definitely got a little stir crazy just like not when you're not working and you can't be with your we didn't bring anything except for our cats and our guitars and like two changes of clothes because we thought it was gonna be like two days. Mm-hmm. And then um, it turned out it was like 10. So, yeah. Anyway. But I remember like when it was all smoky and fiery, like we were pretty much stuck inside in our house for the entire month almost. Yeah. And I remember one day, um, it was a Saturday night, and my buddy Adam and I were the only Adam. ones in the house. Yeah. And, and uh, I get a text at like, three o'clock in the morning that's like evacuate now oh shit and i was like oh shit you know and uh, <laughs> i wake three. up adam i'm like adam what does this mean <laughs> time to go and he, <laughs> you know he, he like looks at he's like it's probably fine and i like i like run outside expecting there to be like you know Fire people running doorstep. down the street and like <laughs> like cats and dogs just running the opposite oh. direction you know what there's nothing and sure enough they had sent it to our location by mistake oh interesting um, but then I remember like riding, we, we were trying to, we lost all our power and yeah. we lost That's everything. That's the hard part is you don't have any power. So yeah. like, and if that affects your water too, and you yeah. like, can't like use water. And we, we wanted to watch football so bad. So we like, we like <laughs> tried to find somewhere that was open and we ended up biking to like this because we didn't want to like, you know, you always have to have a few beers when you go watch the football game. So we, we rode our You're bike in the, the smoke oh, and we were wearing so like bad. fucking the masks over our faces. So we, yeah. you know, we look like ninjas or whatever, like health <laughs> ninjas when we we're trying to do our, our thing. And it was, it would actually turn out to be a really good day. We, we like went on a little adventure, but yeah, right after that is when the, like the fires finally let up and then the rains hit Santa Barbara and that's when the mudslides I was going to say it's California's just like fires and floods. If we would have had the years. rain hit before the fires, th- none of it would have happened. I know. Because what I happened, it was all out. so dry, you know, so it all burns up and then there's no, there's no like roots or uh, I, I think it's the roots or whatever that help keep the, the mud and the water like on the hills. So when all that shit burned uh, sure. off, yeah. But when all of that burned off, there was nothing to hold it up. So then, when it the pouring falls. rain came, the hills just fell. 
and, and that's onto what, houses. That took and, out Montecito, yeah, oh. the mudslide. So anyway, this is <laughs> the Natural Disaster Pod. Yay! Uh, no, but, yeah, I can't remember how we got into that. At least I we guess. don't have tornadoes. Yeah, shit. <laughs> Those are terrifying. Those are fucking terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> Those I, are yeah. terrifying. Like, could you imagine seeing one of those? You feel like no. it's like some kind of monster coming to get you. It's like demon monster. What do you even do? I don't... Uh, I don't know. I remember the movie Twister. Did you ever... Or yeah, with Bill... Is it Paxton? Bill Paxton? Yeah. Yeah, and, and like... <laughs> he's like in the Alan eye Hunt? of the storm. He's like chained himself to like some fucking like it's really concrete, and he's like ridiculous. And you're like, golly, this isn't real, is it? I think we saw that movie recently. Like we were in like a hotel room or something weird where you have weird TV, and we started watching it, and I was like, this doesn't really hold up. <laughs> no, it like, seems like this is very bizarre. impossibly corny. Uh, it's very '90s. I love yeah. '90s films. No, I love them too because they're, they're really like, great. They they are like it's the era of the one liner, and not like the. So oh. everyone, like, it's like Independence Day, you know, where Will Smith oh my is God. like, welcome to Earth. <laughs> you know, like yeah. shit like that. Like all the one-liners. Or uh, Jurassic Park, life finds a way. Yeah, yeah. Dude, I think the roman- romantic comedies in the 90s also were the strongest well, we've probably, ever seen. Do you think that's when romantic comedies were kind of like born? Like, um, no, because you, you had like, it happened that? one night was considered a romantic comedy um, and that's from the 30s or 40s. Oh. It's, uh, yeah. We're going all over the place. Cinema, but yeah, all anyway. the one-liners. Like, <laughs> I like The Mummy a lot. That was one of my favorite ones. Oh, and it, it's Brendan like Brendan Fraser. Not the greatest actor in the world, but great at delivering one-liners. He's like, yeah. like um, you know, they're all the the mummy zombie things are like running into the... No, it's the, uh, the townspeople are like all infested with the plague or whatever. And they yeah. become like servants to Imhotep. And they're like running into the temple and she's like, patience is a virtue. And he's like, <laughs> not right now it isn't. You Aww. know, like just like little one-liners like that. The whole, the whole movie. Yeah. I love the mummy. So the mummy, Independence Day, those were like two of my favorite faves back in back. I Have mean, you now ever too. seen a, is it blast from the past where Brendan Fraser plays oh, like, a caveman? no, he plays oh. like a, uh, so, uh, Oh, who's his dad in this movie? God, what is the movie where he's a caveman? Where it's where they they're stuck in a bomb shelter from the fifties on, so he grows up in a bomb shelter, and then he like goes up to Earth, and it's the two thousands, oh. <laughs> and they think like it's like or it's the nineties. It's Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken's his dad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he creates this crazy bomb shelter, and uh, in the fifties, like this piece of a something falls on their house where they think it's like the end of the world. So they go in this bomb shelter and he's raised there. And when he's like 30 years old, they send him out to the world to check it out. And he's just completely like this fifties bomb shelter kid. And he meets Alicia Silverstone, Gorgeous. who's just a f- stone Freaking cold Fox. Talk about bombshells. And am he's I right? Got, he's got these like vintage baseball cards and he's trying to sell them. And like <laughs> people are trying to rip him off and they're just like, how do you have this? And he's like been taking dancing lessons his whole life and like uh, Latin and all this shit. So he's like this total catch, but he's also really clueless about everything yeah. it's so it's probably really real good. awkward social skills Dude, well ron great. tomatoes begs to differ emily <laughs> it doesn't like flash from the <laughs> no. past hate it well 93 percent of people like this movie for google users but 57 percent rotten tomatoes well that's just ridiculous yeah. solid uh i thought it was solid a, f is it 90s or early 2000s uh, it's 99 i knew it yeah i loved that movie did really well in the box office Dude. 40 40 million she was hot off clueless i think clueless was like what 97 she's Freaking gorgeous, she was dude. doing a TV show for a while. Um, I can't remember, but yeah. Yeah. Anyway, she was a '90s '90s queen for sure. But yeah, we uh, are able to. We might not be able to. We might miss a week in here because, like we said earlier, we're um we're getting geared up to record this album we have yeah. coming up. 
So we have like two rehearsals a week, pretty much every week for the next four or five weeks, I think. And we're kind of narrowing down which songs we want to get on here. Mm -hmm. And we have some new songs that we're excited about and we're trying to see if we can get them done in time. So it's all Mm kind of up in the air. And it's once we get in that studio, that'll be the time of truth. Yeah, the moment. We'll see of what truth. actually happens. Yeah, but um, but yeah, it's uh, it's really exciting. And like, we just the last one we did was a rewind that was like so overwhelming that the next time we do Still a rewind, not sure how it turned. Out. No, neither of us have finished listening to it yet. Um, <laughs> the Manson one because it was just so much, and then yeah, uh, a lot of information, to a lot, with. and we were pushing three hours on it. And it's like, so I think the next rewind we'll do is going to be something a little um lighter. <laughs> Dare I say? You know, it's funny because Dare people really love the the ones that have like true crime aspects like our two most popular episodes are well Paul our most pop, like our, our two rewinds are, are we've had three rewinds and the two that we've had and the manson one are three of our top five oh, podcasts i think that's cool surprisingly the other one is davy and the chains Yay! which I love davy and the chains but i'm random it's so random which ones catch traction and then yeah. the go for some reason is always oh, no. stuck don't, in the back of our throat. Yeah. Just, just that was one where it. we kinda got <laughs> we kinda got drunk and ranty. And we're like that was before we really realized like that there needs to be a better pace in podcasting. So we're kinda talking like we're on It was Quailus. our second one yeah. and it was re- it was long. Well we we ended up getting drunk in it, which was the mistake. And we played like seven songs, it felt like. We played like <laughs> five or six, and it just, yeah, it kind of rambled on. Um, uh, that's another of one of our really popular ones. Um, good. Great. Yeah, I know. What can you do? I know. I tell people to start on like six. I'm like, maybe start on like five yeah, or six. Yeah, if that. You know, <laughs> it's, it's tough. But uh, today we have uh, Casey and Clayton from yeah. Saskatchewan. Are, Is that Saskat- how they talk up there? Okay, so I, I didn't want to <laughs> say this out loud. And I, I just watched a video of them, and he says it. Saskatchewan? Yeah, Saskatchewan. So they're Canadian. Um, That's how they talk. They grew up... <laughs> was that out of pocket? <laughs> it was totally out of pocket. Um, so they grew up... Uh, near, they're naming all these areas in Canada, and I'm like, don't know where that is. Um, in uh, the Wood Mountain Uplands, which is a rural community in Saskatchewan. Um, so their family... They come from a family of, like, ranchers, it sounds like. Um, so it's two... It's a two-piece that has recorded as a full band, but started as a two-piece. And they are um, Casey Anderson, and that's K-A-C-Y, and um, Clayton Linthicum. And they are second cousins. Um, so they grew up together on the same, uh, I think, really close to each other. Their uh, parents both had these uh, ranches or whatever. Second and, um, cousins. I, that always confuses me. What, I don't know what it what, means. Yeah, what is that exactly? <laughs> I don't know. All right, I'm going to have to look this um, up. And then, so they grew up, uh, basically, Clayton, um, he uh, started playing piano at an early age, and then he picked up the banjo soon after that. So he's got a really strong right hand with finger picking. No, he is, and that like, comes from, honestly, when I first heard them, I was blown away by the guitar playing. And yeah, I think he's that's the first probably, thing I noticed, too. And he's a very technical guitar player. He's a picker. So he has the thumb pick, and then he plays with at least the next three fingers. He might play with his pinky. I haven't seen him play with his pinky a whole lot, but he definitely plays a lot with his ring finger on his right hand, which a lot of guitarists don't do, especially in that. Well, again, banjo he started with. Okay, yeah, and it makes sense because he has that kind of claw hammer style. 
Um, and he's very rhythmic. He talks about oh, how he likes super rhythmic. how he likes uh, how old music was kind of more rhythmic and driven by, especially like a, with just like solo acoustic stuff. Yeah, and no he, he does a really good job of like having these kind of these blue note um, involved like lead lines that he has in, in these tunes. So he's not just like strumming, and he's not just doing a picking pattern. He's doing he's doing a lot of uh, a lot of kind of like up top um, lead guitar work. So I guess that's the way you'd kind of describe it because it is a very melodic way of playing um, because yeah. it, there's a lot going on on the, on the top three strings of his, uh, of his playing. So he's kind of carrying a rhythm or playing a bass line almost with his thumb, which has a pick on it. Yeah. And then he's playing more melodic um, chord le- uh, leading tone uh, to, to each chord up top. And he is just like a really, really advanced guitar player. Yeah. And probably the most technical guitar player we've covered on this podcast, I'd imagine. Wow, I'd agree. And he started, so he starts, so they're, they're young now. Uh, Right now it's 2019 and I think they're 22 and 24. Yeah, um, and they have been playing together since 2009. So for 10 years, so they started playing um, when they were 12 and 14. So he picked up a guitar when he was 10 years old. So the piano playing and then banjo playing was a little bit before that. And then he got left in the care of an uncle, his uncle Carl, um, when he was 10 and Carl showed him how to play a little bit of guitar and it was, that was it. He just yeah. started sticking with He's that. He's a natural and he seems like he just has a thirst for it. Like I imagine and that just he, a work. Ethic. Yeah. I imagine that he just was that guy who just never put it down and never stopped. Improving. He, he talks about, uh, so he, he names a couple guitar players that he really likes. Um, uh, Can I guess? John Renborn, oh, Doc Watson. And what about Chet Atkins? Any any ooh, mention of Chet Atkins? Maybe. I, not that I've seen, but he names a lot of these vintage folk players that yeah. like I don't. He does talk about Bill, Big Bill Brunsey, who I love. He's a blues yeah. guy. And then Mississippi John Hurt, he's mentioned. Um, and uh, they do talk about Lead Belly as far as songwriting. Um, and yeah, he talks about, uh, he, he also, I don't know who Mabel Carter is, but it's apparently oh, a Carter. female guitar player. He says uh, she kind of popularized um, acoustic playing where you play the melody on the low strings and then strum in between. So she plays the melody with her thumb and strum with her fingers, which is what I do. Yeah, let's check her out a little bit. Here. Yeah. Here. So that's Mabel Carter of yeah, the Carter she, um We're watching like oh, this yeah. Little- yeah, so she uh, she kind of plays a little bit like me with that with that first finger She's, coming. How what a cool guitar! Yeah, sorry, I'm not uh, there. I can't get the volume going real. No, oh, it's all go, good. There we go. There we go. Yeah. Oh yeah, look at that strumming. God damn. Yeah, her strumming. She's a very similar strummer to I am because I strum with my index finger, like the the nail of it or whatever. But she has <laughs> she has kind of big hands, huh? <laughs> damn, that's yeah. badass. Yeah. So um, she is not young in this video either. She's uh, she's probably in her forties in this video, and this is like probably back in the fifties. So it looks almost yeah, fifty early fifties, I'd say. Yeah. Um. Anyway, this one, uh, if you want to look it up, oh, she was born in nineteen oh nine. This is oh Wildwood Flower. If you want to look it up. Yeah. But yeah, it's really interesting, and that's that's an interesting. Uh, they call her Mother Maybell Carter. Yeah. That's cool. Mother Maybell. Anyway. So um, so Casey and Clayton, second cousins, growing up, uh, he picks up guitar at age ten, and then by the time he's fourteen, so it's two thousand nine, and they uh discover that they both have an interest in vintage folk music, so they start. Again, they're in Canada, like a rural town in Canada. They start playing songs and performing together at a little like tavern, and then word kinds of kind of spreads, and they start playing um, little local festivals. Um, and then on, just on their w- kind of work ethic, because um, if you look at uh, 
his guitar playing especially um and then her, so her she kind of does a lot of the heavy lifting she also lifting she also plays guitar but um songwriting in their lyrics oh, yeah lyrics and like it's all very crafted and calculated and and really um well thought out and uh they talk about how they grew up in ranches and um uh Clayton says you know it influences your work ethic to you know witness your mom and dad working you know from sunrise to sunset and um it gives you an attitude on what you work at every single day um and then she says uh it makes you think I want to work hard at music because I don't want to build fences and chase cows yeah. so they so they kind of got this work ethic from growing up on a farm and then they just kind of focus that towards music and again they start playing when they're 12 and 14 and they have a, they do write mostly original tunes, right? Because yeah. they have like this really classic sound to their songs. But uh, you were saying that like they sound like they could be old covers, but they're their own originals. Oh, when I first heard them, I was listening to their very first album. Um, so they have three albums. Uh, yeah, they so their have first one's the called day the day is passed and, and gone. gone yeah. Twenty thirteen. So in twenty thirteen, they were like sixteen and yeah, sixteen and uh, like nineteen. Uh, yeah. 16 and 19 Jesus and um so there's a lot of songs on there that sound like old like 1960s folk covers mm -hmm. and nope they're originals to uh, me, yeah to <laughs> me they, they have like they do carry on that 60s folk tradition and but for me like as they've evolved um right. the siren song has more of that folk um it's summer of album. love like yeah. vibe because they, they have they start to get more involved in like a full band vibe and he starts playing electric and then she's yeah. playing more acoustic and, and i then... i like his electric um playing and he plays it very similarly to an acoustic he has the same vibe but in the day is passing on that 2013 album they have really strong like celtic folk roots it sounds like that kind of that kind of old country folk vibe you know yeah. kind of like uh, the chieftains or something like uh, that yeah like it has it has that more even more traditional not like an american folk vibe where you think of like bob dylan john baez john baez and and even like if you go and i don't call them folk they're blues but you know lead belly and stuff like that yeah but they don't have that vibe as much as they have like almost like that that Irish, you know, uh, yeah, Celtic and they're really interested of... in English folk music. Yeah, is yeah what that's they what I was say. thinking. Yeah. yeah, well, I guess it would be English, and that's where I'm getting it. I always think of Irish, but I guess English makes sense too. It's the same tradition, just a very like, uh, you know, Amer English European traditional folk vibe that they have yeah. in that first especially album. in the storytelling and the lyrics, which yeah. you'll which you'll notice right away. Um, one of my favorite quotes I'm going to pull really quickly was there's a bluegrass situation article. Um, that asked them about like, how do you avoid appropriating a musical tradition? And Clayton says, oh, I hate that word. not dressing like pioneers. <laughs> and then Casey says, yeah. And not having press photos that show us like churning butter and riding on wagons with <laughs> horses and shit. And well, she doesn't say any shit. Sorry, that's me. And then Clayton says, um, the one thing we've been really striving for is to take influence from that old world, but not try to put it on like a theater production. Yeah. And I like that. They're like, it, we're not going to dress like It pioneers. just bums me out that language, like appropriate. I think it's such a beautiful thing when you like, when you cross pollinate cultures music because it creates incredible things like the American blues tradition would have, would have never been created without cross pollination and rock and roll would have never been created without cross pollination. So it, it bumped yeah. me out the, using the word appropriation is like, it's a negative connotation for a beautiful thing. Yeah, so, I agree. Yeah, I don't like that narrative, but I love the way they answered it because they're like, get off <laughs> Not my dressing like pioneers. <laughs> Not churning butter. Not um, churning butter and shit. So I think, uh, I think let's just dive into this first track. It's the first song mm -hmm. I heard of theirs and I was really struck by um, 
first of all, his guitar playing, that's how it kicks in. And this is from their second album, so it's before. Their most recent album is uh, is more of a full band uh, recording style, but their first and second are basically kind of two-piece. Really stripped down, but they sound yes. so full with his they guitar playing. They sound so full with his guitar playing, and yeah. then her voice is really kind of haunting and gorgeous. And It, um, it reminds me of Glorietta, the Sinking Ship. So, yeah. yeah. It has that same kind of vibe, but theirs is maybe a little bit more traditional folk. Yeah, and the, yeah, it's uh, so. This is uh, their title track, off um, off their second album, uh, "Strange Country," called "Strange Country."
right. Yeah, I love that descending guitar flying line. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, it sounds so good. We just yeah. watched a video of them Very playing that, actually. The um, what was it, Jam in the Van we were watching? Uh, they play it there. They Yeah, they play it there. That's when we were watching the Lagunitas. They do some cool... We got to get that Jam in the Van action. We got to get up in there. Um, we got to so, ban the van. So again, you hear lyrics like that, and you're like, wow, she's, you know, they're talking about... Um, basically getting like arrested and dying in a jail cell and <laughs> you know, it's it's a it's like it's a it's like how do you come up with that um so storytelling so, tradition. yeah so somebody asked some uh same interview bluegrass they say uh you're very young but there's a weighted um solemnity solemnity i don't say that word a lot about your music that suggests someone much older and experienced uh where does that come from and casey says i think it's mostly just comes from listening to traditional music um, from certain areas where it's so dark and you're just consumed by tragedy and death and music relating to kind of the hard parts of life. Um, I don't know anyone who's been murdered, but you can listen to a murder <laughs> ballad and get a sense for it and relate to it and try and make your own stories or work off of things that you heard. Um, and she says, I think just talking about heavy subject matter makes the music seem a little more mature. And then she also says, uh, when there's a strong character in a song or a good story or something, you feel attached to it. You put yourself in the situation. Uh, that's the fun thing about singing songs. It's getting to sing from people's perspective. Uh, and with folk music, for sure, it's it's not as fun to sing your own songs because you know yourself, and that's boring. That's an interesting <laughs> way to put it, I though. Like it. Because when I think of like writing music, I like to try to think of writing from pulling from my own experience yeah. so it sounds authentic totally you know but you can make authentic music i guess and be a storyteller like we're like what was jay roddy walston yeah jay roddy walston where he's we talking, talking about, about like it. his how he hates his father in these songs and then somebody an interviewer was like so you have yeah. a bad relationship with your father and he's like no yeah he's like i have a great relationship well, he with my was father. Definitely, <laughs> <laughs> he's like no he's, he's like he's like i'm writing from yeah. <laughs> the perspective of a character and like, and the Felice brothers do it too. Yeah. And I think it's, I and think they it's do it some of the best I've ever heard oh, yeah. them doing it. But if you're going to do this style of, uh, of folk music, um, I think it's, I think it's cool to do this sort of storytelling, you know, it's not me for sure. Like it would be really tough for me to like kind of imagine, you know, that certain area. I mean, culture wall does a really good job of that too. And we're, we've been trying to get him on this podcast I mean, for, we, we totally months. do it. Look at, Hey, Hey Charles, you know? Yeah. Well, you That's do the it one more. I always you do it better to. than I do. Um, I, I don't know. I like to take an emotion that we can feel from just being human and then sort of twist that into, from the perspective of something that's a really cool story and really mm -hmm. kind of interesting with, um, yeah, but these stories are more like setting up not a character from the f uh, first person perspective because I think that's more of what we do is like a first person perspective. Yeah, I agree with they're that. more of like a like a or not all their songs obviously like that one it's almost is like tall tall tale like yeah uh, yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, what that's am I trying what to say like like of. the kind of stuff that uh, like old blues music and folk music will tell these stories um, about these sort of. Uh, fictional maybe they were real at some point characters like yeah. john henry and like yeah i think we've talked about <laughs> it before but uh yeah and it's uh yeah it's sort of like um and it's a it's a tough it's a tough thing to pull off because it can sound really like inauthentic and like canned if you if you aren't if you aren't um if you don't have an honesty to the way that you sing it and a conviction in the yeah. way that you sing it, then it can come off as like kind of inauthentic. And like we were talking about the handsome Jack uh, podcast, it's like authenticity. Like it's, 
is the most important aspect of music in my opinion. Well, it's, like it's it's really easy to pick out too. Yeah, if you can tell someone's like putting on a show or putting on a front, yeah, then it's it it eliminates anything that they're doing. Well, you can't get lost in it. You yeah. can't get lost in the story because it feels it feels forced or it feels fake or something. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I think I think the way that they're doing it is. Um, well, it's definitely authentic. And yeah. you can tell that, I mean, they've been doing it for how long now? 10 years? 10 years, because they so. started when they were 12 and 14, so now they're about 22 and 24. Um, and and yeah, I think they're really doing their homework as far as listening to um, like some, like they, they, they're name dropping a lot of these old folk groups that I, I personally have never heard of. I don't know if it's because they're Canadian or they're just digging really deep, like yeah. the Balfa Brothers. Dirk Powell, <laughs> like I just like I'm just naming some off the um off the sheet in front of me, but it's like there's a Ry- Riley Walker, Daniel a, Daniel Bachman, yeah, like the I'm Balfa like I, brothers. Yeah, Here's, I don't know these guys. Just for fun, here we go. So yeah, this is like real old school. Yeah, yeah. and you can. <laughs> this is a whole album. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, <laughs> and it's so interesting to listen to these artists because that's another fun thing you can do is like they talk about their influences and you can kind of go down like, uh, you know, this deep dive of like these old, old cuts that, uh, you know, they're like Casey and Clayton are recommending. And that's yeah. fun in and of itself. They're they're funny too because they'll they'll ask him like what are some current you know musicians that you like to listen to and Clayton gets all excited and he says oh we love Jason Molina and then Casey goes no he's dead <laughs> that's not current <laughs> I don't I don't know who Jason Molina is either um, yeah. yeah this is definitely humbling my uh, my folk knowledge it's not as good as I thought it was no yeah but not that oh, I really claim that but you know Clayton also uh, says that as far as instrumental songwriting and the narrative he's uh, he does listen to a lot of uh, Willie Nelson and Merle Haggard oh, as far okay. as songwriting Jason Molina with a powerful unibrow um, but yeah he, he looks oh, like so he's a little more recent he's maybe a little 90s. more recent but yeah he doesn't seem like he's necessarily like a huge maybe I spelled his name wrong I don't no, know no that's him okay yeah 36,000 views on like a few. I, I think he's maybe he's broken like away, huh? 116,000 on that one. Yeah, it seems as if he, uh, as Jason if maybe Molina. he um, is an underground artist as well. I have to get into him. Yeah. Um, Richard Thompson. Yeah, there's some of these Buck Owens. So Merle Haggard, yeah. Um, so they do talk about um, some country music that, that's giving them a little bit of uh, influence as well. Oh, wow. Yeah, he had, uh, he died because of alcohol abuse related organ failure. 39? Yeah, 39. Oh no. That's a bummer. We're going to have to check this guy out. Yeah, definitely. So Jason Molina, okay, yeah. 1973 to 2013. Goodness gracious. Yeah, he was my so, age. So I see why they think of him as being a Sorry, he wasn't my age. He's way older than me. Was like 39? <laughs> I did my math wrong. <laughs> what are you talking about? Um, Stewart is secretly 39. Oh my god. Yeah, um, I did my <laughs> So <laughs> podcast math failed me that You know time. what? So these guys remind not to you know get all you know into compare this to ourselves but they definitely remind me of us um historically in, i mean he's a much better guitar player well, than they've I been, so they've been <laughs> um she's a better guitar player than me and songwriter she for sure she destroys me on uh on songwriting but like i i like that they like they're related they started playing together 10 years ago they were way imagine if we started playing as radio keys at 12 and 14 and yeah, she was no, playing guitar I was, too i was like dicking around with like some, no, I wasn't doing some like classic I rock I had style not bullshit found music at 12 i think i started singing when i i mean i listened to it and i played i guess i played trombone but 
but as that far just as doesn't count though, like right, like, like band band. I think yeah, it, I think it counts. I just feel like it just doesn't in count. a way, like being a piece of like a a band that's creating music. It does, but it's all <sighs> classical and jazz, so it's it's just a little bit of a step into the world. But yeah. but band band as opposed to I don't know writing and playing maybe your like music how, songwriting. I think of it as maybe different like worlds. how PE helps you become a jogger later. Oh, God, <laughs> like, no. like, I feel like it doesn't. I think I, I don't yeah, know. I, I feel hard, like being in a band. Like, sorry, being in band, it does help if you have the right training. And I don't know if we necessarily did. Um, jazz band was a little more interesting. Yeah, it was. Because it was I more relatable. Very, you know, it wasn't like we're playing like Flight of the, not Flight of the Bumblebee. That's crazy hard. <laughs> yeah, but uh, like uh, 25, 6, 2, The thing that, that I like, <laughs> I have, that bummed me out about my young musical training is I I never really learned how to read very well, so I didn't really learn the theory behind it very well. So it was more just me using my ear. And like he's mm-hmm. like, oh, this is how you play it. And he'd show me like the, the valves and Oh, everything. I used to write down, I used to play trombone and jazz band and we would write down uh, the positions, the positions right? instead yeah. of the notes. So I was just reading exactly. like three, four, four, three, two, so one, I one. guess it helped develop my ear. I didn't know I was playing at the ear G. I didn't know what the fuck I was playing. Yeah, so I didn't learn that shit until college. Depressing. I literally didn't learn sure how they to. told us yeah. and we just forgot. <laughs> I didn't know, like I was looking at my guitar, I didn't know what the frets, like what notes the frets were until mm. college. Yeah. Which is pretty insane to think about. Um, yeah. And that's my own fault, too, for not, you know, digging deep enough. Well, you Let, will find it at your own time, you yeah. know. These guys were young and, again, work ethic kind of just pushed them into just getting really good really yeah. fast. It sounds like they grew up in, like, a really isolated area, too, so there's a lot less distractions. Yeah, because it's 2009, so you could have, you know, MTV and all that shit to distract you. But yeah. if you're working on a farm... And, uh, you know, they're also working on it. So I think they're getting up at seven in the morning and working all day. And then when you do that physical labor all day, I think to come home and do something that exercises your mind a little bit is really intriguing as opposed to, you know, working a job that uses your brain all day and then you get home and you just kind of are a little. That's the tough. I mean, that's the really tough part when I yeah. was like working full time. It really drained my um, desire to do music related stuff yeah. because it's like you get home after that nine hour day. Because let's be honest, it's from eight to five, not nine. Like, yeah. I don't know when it creeped. When did it creep? I work from eight our, thirty to five. Like our parents' yeah. generation, it was nine to five. Yeah, and then somehow it creeped to eight to five. Well, because they're like, well, we're gonna give you an hour lunch. Yeah, and then it's, it's such eight, bullshit. Nine. But anyway, so that nine hour day, like, let's be honest, nine hour day. Because then you'd yeah. eat lunch at your like at your desk because because you're so busy. Yeah, that you're not even really taking a lunch. So you get home from that, you get home at, you know, you battle traffic for 30 minutes, get home and you're like, you know what? I just want to crack a beer and like fucking veg out with my friends. You know what I did? So on Saturday I had our biggest event of the year um, that I was working and I was, I was doing a lot. It was a lot of running around. It was, I I gave a speech. It was, it was just a lot that I had to do. So I was there from 1130 in the morning until about 1145 at night. So I was there for 12 hours. I never left. Yeah. I ate there, but. Yeah, and I I was so physically and mentally tired when I came home, but just like after our rehearsals, my brain was like firing off. Like I I needed to like decompress. So you know what I did? I'm not proud of this. Pounded an entire bottle of wine. No, actually, um, I did open a (laughs) bottle of wine because I I work at a winery, so I've been pouring wine for people all night. night. I'm like, I'm gonna go home and have a glass or two of wine. And I watched. um, I was like, I need to watch something that I can turn my brain off to and just enjoy. And I watched. 2001's Legally Blonde. Oh. Dude, it holds up. It's you love movie. that movie, though. I love that movie. Yeah, I haven't seen it movie. in a long time, but like, honestly, it holds up. Like, the characters are really well uh, developed, and 
Anyway. Well, my Saturday was... <laughs> I did not do anything creative. Very much the opposite of yours. <laughs> uh, I So my parents, our parents have, um, they've been getting their whole house redone, basically. The like floors, which is huge, yeah. The upstairs, they like tore all the carpet out and they just got it all reinstalled. And then yeah. downstairs, they're getting all that carpet and brick and stuff torn up and like linoleum torn yeah. up. And they're replacing all of, what is this wood called? It's uh, like a... Laminate. Laminate, yeah. Or mm, yeah, they might so. be getting something a little nicer, but it's, it's like basically faux, like faux fake wood, wood. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It looks um, nice. I, I don't mind it. So like I invited Alante over. That's the, the drummer for Radio Keys. And, and my buddy Mitch, who I've known for ever and uh, we watched the UFC fights and we were like drinking beers and trying to do like the St. Patrick's Day thing you know before oh, yeah. Day. so like we made like a nice crock pot nice. and I did you know the potatoes and the corned beef and um it was just a great day, but then uh, we we ended up going uh, downtown Todos Santos, which is Concord for in preparation for this uh, Mountain Vibe show that Tom put on that Tom puts on with it some of our with, favorite yeah, local some of bands. Our best. I best really, friends, God, yeah. I really wanted to go, and I like it's the one. Uh, I, so I couldn't, so I feel bad. But. Basically, what I'm trying to brag about is that my day was completely the opposite because I know. we just we just lazed out hard. Like and then you we got went, to see drank a few pitchers. Like we Overland. went and had a burrito that destroyed me, and then I felt horrible all night. But it, you know, it feels. I felt really bad about missing that, but like I will say, after like really working your ass off, especially for an event that you've helped to plan and like kind of just seeing it come to life and then kind of coming home after it's done and being like, oh, that's over. Like, I can move on. Like, it's very satisfying. Well, yeah, you did a lot. Um, you did, did a lot. lot. <laughs> and Tom anyway, did a lot, too. Tom um, did a lot. I know we both had big nights on Saturday. Yeah. And I, I got home late and went to bed at, like, 2, well, but he got home at, like, 4. The most exciting thing, because obviously we love Overland, and we've seen them and played with them a ton of yeah, times. Yeah, and then Morning Mountains. And Morning too. Mountains, uh, James is such a good guy, and I had, like, a really good heart-to-heart with him um, mm. that night. And talked and he talked and he like opened up to me a lot and I Aww, opened up to him a let's lot. Let's be friends with them. And yeah, and bring uh, him up for a podcast. He's just a really good guy. He's like a, we should. He's a really sweet guy, but he's he also definitely is really like interesting. He has huge feelings and like he yeah. is a very emotional Best kind guy. Of and, yeah. and I'm not saying that to be negative at all. It's just it. it I think it makes his music so authentic. And, yeah. and haunting. Um, and then for me, the thing I was most excited about is the return of From the Bottom. And from the Bottom, if you who we go of, on and on about that, oh, in the, in go. the go podcast. Well, so I'll say it now. <laughs> about how There's incredible like, they are. We didn't name any names, but I, I, was like, from the I was like really upset in the end of that podcast because A, I was drinking and B, I was like, they, they, this they guy were is so talented like so, why is he yeah. not making music like and i was like you have to if you have a talent and a gift like that you have yeah. to and i was like really passionate about it but i listened to it back later i was like maybe i was being a little hard or being an asshole or something i think it came um, across that it's like we we just are so so impressed and in love with the music and his yeah. performances that like he's made he's me so he's passionate brought me to tears many times he's such an honest performer and such a passionate performer and yeah. then the, of course they covered make it rain by tom tom waits so and badass. i was like oh my god they're so good they're he just covers, such a talented uh, band he covers that randy newman newman song um uh guilty yeah. yes i've been drinking or however it goes yeah. uh i'm guilty and then he also covers uh he's all over the place he covers down to the river to pray I, I call remember it. when he did that at Mountain Vibe? I was like, "This is a spiritual moment right here." Yeah, and, and they, uh, they, I asked them, "What is Mount Rushmore of songwriters?" Were 
And he said it was Randy Newman, Tom Waits. Did he say Lauren Hill? Because he said that. To he me did before. not say Lauren Hill. He did not name a single hip hop artist. He said the, mis- the Miseducation of Lauren Hill is like one of his favorite albums of all yeah, time. Yeah, it was interesting yeah. because he didn't name a single reggae artist or hip hop artist. He is. Oh, you like, could argue that Lauren Hill would fit into maybe the hip hop, or maybe the Fugees hip- was hip hop, and then she's a she. Artist. Yeah, I think she's an R and B like. She's a artist. brain, dude. She's. She uh, she was one of I think she's one of those like hopeless romantic types who like kind of got who was she involved with Wyclef Jean? Um, um, I, I feel don't like know. romantically I don't know. I think romantically she was involved with with uh, but the Fugees was with, with him someone in it, right? and I feel like she really put her own personal career on the back burner for like I hope for not. her relationship and like having children and stuff. Yeah, and the Fugees is uh, Lauren Hill, Wyclef John, and then Pre- uh, I'm pretty sure it was Wyclef John. But um, yeah, I feel like she kind of put herself Mitchell. on the back burner for like her family and her relationship and like just being that kind of romantic. And Aww. I, I mean, she is it's such, being human. Yeah, it's being human, but she is such a talented artist. I mean, I don't want to go on this rant again about <laughs> <laughs> people not playing music, but, but yeah, so she's you got such to a see, talented um, artist. So I, yeah, we got to see From the Bottom. Which is like my favorite local band and I'm really bummed well, they're the, that I they're, them. they're probably, I mean, they're just, I, no shade at any other local bands in the area, but I, in terms of his raw talent, yeah. he could be in any band. And in terms of his raw talent, he's... Um, he is pretty much unmatched. The, the combination of his lyricism, his performance, he's his a heartbreaking passion, performer. Yeah. his voice. His voice is insane. Um, I mean, his guitar playing, it's not like that's not what's going to put him over the top. It, it's everything else, you know? Yeah. So he could be with anyone, and, and it would be. I mean, I've seen him play like himself with an electric Fender guitar, sitting down, sitting down and performing, and you're just blown away. Yeah. So yeah, his name's uh, uh, Dennis. Dennis. Yeah, and he's um, he's in fr- he's the lead singer of From the Bottom. So if you his uh, his stage name, well, his hip hop name is Sunny D. Too. Yeah, Sunny D. Yeah. And we're we're talking about uh, bringing them to Santa Barbara with us. I really want. I've talked to yeah. um scholar Tom's friend Kevin, who came to our Santa Barbara show. Yeah, yeah. And uh, him and uh, Sunny D would uh, collaborate as a group called the Melting Pot, and. Um, I've told Kevin for like years, I'm like, I want to do a hook for you guys so bad. I'll write it. I'll write you five and you can pick one Mm. or like whatever. Like I really want to like collaborate. Always trying to get that hip hop. I just, I just really like one day, like they're, (laughs) yeah. The songs that they create are just so fucking cool. And I like, I really want to branch out and do that. And I think I could, and I've, I've written some stuff that I think would work, um, as hard as that may be to believe. Um, but, uh, but yeah, please um, check out from the bottom. It's the main dude, point. Yeah, yeah, please check them and out. And you really They're, just have to like see him and hear him. And I and I I, I don't I think can't imagine how you have would done not them get justice it. yet. Yeah. And uh, I mean, God, I'd love I feel to the same way about us. Though, you know, it's like it's really tough for local bands to get those really high quality um, yeah. recordings because they don't necessarily have that. You know. It's like going from the artist into the studio and then out comes the other end like a great album. There needs to be that conduit in the middle, which is generally like a really incredible engineer or a really incredible producer. And that's just such an elusive thing to find. Well, this is a great segue. Yeah. Oh, really? (laughs) (laughs) Back to Casey and Clayton. Because so basically in... um, Oh, I think it was in September of 2015 or 16. Um, Casey and Clayton opened for Wilco at the Fillmore in San Francisco. They do one show with them. Wait, which, what year? I, I don't you, know. Oh, I think it's a year. <laughs> I think it's, so the album that 
uh, Jeff Tweedy, fast forward, Jeff Tweedy ends up pr- uh, producing? Yeah, producing. The right word? Uh, their 2017 album, their most recent, The Siren Song. So this is, um, I'm going to say 2015 or 16. Um, basically, they open uh, for Wilco, and uh, it's so cute. Like, they're probably, you know, they're still like 19 and 22 or something like that. And uh, Clayton says, you know, we kind of decided we didn't want to bother the band. It was a tiny backstage and like we didn't even want to like use their toilet or whatever he says because he's like, we just wanted to like give them space. Yeah. They're, they're like really, by all accounts of when I see them, Casey and Clayton interviewed, um, they're like incredibly humble. They'll be like, oh, you know, tell us about your songwriting. And they're like, well, I don't know. We well, they're think Canadian. We think it's pretty good. We think it's okay. You know, like they, they're all, they, they're like, we yeah. think we've improved in 10 years. And it's like, yeah, you can say that. Yeah. You guys are great. Like, but they're very humble. And they're definitely like, I think when they opened for Wilco, Wilco they were a little maybe starstruck. And they were like, well, we're just going to like, we don't even need to meet him. We just like, wow, like what an honor. And, um, but uh, he says, uh, they were really friendly to us. Jeff Tweedy forced us to be friends with him. It was really cool. <laughs> um, and they, they got to chat about like, country folk music and um and stuff like that and then they say basically um jeff Tweedy uh insists that uh or offers for them to uh uh produce record with them at uh the loft uh his little so jeff Tweedy is a really important figure in americana music and especially like alternative country music because before Jeff Tweedy, and I'm sure people yell at me about like Steve Earle and other people, but I feel like before Jeff Tweedy, people were not coming to country music. And when I say country music, I mean like that kind of old, um, old tradition of country music, not like pop country or. We're talking Hank like Williams. I'm talking, not, yeah. yeah, I'm talking more like that style where they're they're starting to integrate that old school outlaw country and then also like Johnny Cash country. Right. Um, Hank Williams senior um, country. And there were, the only artists that were really doing that were kind of coming from the pure country traditional background. And Jeff Tweedy was one of the first ones who came from like a rock alternative, um, like I don't want to say punk rock, but more of that kind of background yeah. and then started integrating that, that, country tradition so before jeff tweedy was doing it it was all just kind of segregated into you know we're we're rock music and we're country music and then jeff tweedy with uncle tupelo and then eventually wilco started creating more of an americana brand that really started to attract other people to artists like you know johnny cash yeah william senior and steve earl and bands like this and now there's so many bands out there who come from background that's not necessarily country like i come from a heavy like rock and roll background and yeah. i'm not saying we're country artists but we have country influences now do, but and, I, and it's I, evident i think in our sound too a little bit yeah but i like arrived at that through artists like black rebel motorcycle club through yeah. wilco through uncle tupelo and jeff tweedy and golden smog and like and uh also through like Johnny Cash and stuff, yeah. Um, because when Walk the Line came out, I was in high school, so that was like a, a big influence I'll say 2004, for me. Yeah, 2003. yeah, and also, um, so that's what I'm trying to say is he's like such an important figure in not just music history, but especially you know Americana um, in the way that it's been shaped over the last 20 years. So to to have Jeff Tweedy come up to you and like force you to be his friend. Dude. That that's unbelievable. Yeah, and um, yeah. So the loft in Chicago is the Wilco Studio, um, and uh, so this is gonna be their third album. And uh, 
I guess the the P, uh, Casey and Clayton had been touring as a four piece. Um, it's not clear to me uh, when they opened up for Wilco if they were a four piece, but they've been touring as one. So they um they had a uh, they had been playing with a, a drummer and a bassist drummer Mike Silverman and bassist shoot Schuler, S H U Y L E R. Jansen Schuler. Schuler. Jansen. Um, <laughs> so they'd been, and she'd been playing acoustic guitar, and they were really comfortable with that, uh, yeah. playing that live. I think they'd toured for a while as that. So when they come into the studio, um, they wanted that Siren Song record to replicate that sort of electric setting. Again, Clayton's playing electric guitar now while she's playing acoustic, um, and also kind of. Um, showcase what they've been doing as a as a full band, and uh, I guess they they said they were kind of used to in their previous albums since it was pretty stripped down. Yeah, they could kind of do things over and over again, and like do things separately and do vocals sec- separately from the guitar and fix mistakes as they go. And they said, you know, um, when we went to the loft, we were really surprised that it was like more about it's not about fixing mistakes, but more about like having a live sound and a live performance. Yeah. So a lot of this I think is tracked relatively live, um, which is different. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. And they're, they're still on the up and up. They're like still very underground. I mean, like if you oh, go totally. to their, if you go to their Instagram, they have just over 3000 followers, you know, they, they probably uh-huh. have about 40,000 plays a month on Spotify. Yeah. And they're just so, they're just an up and I mean, they're so young still, and they're yeah. and they're up and coming. They're twenty two and twenty four. They're right under now. the wing yeah. of literally the best alt country Americana folk, whatever. If you're in that genre, like having being under Jeff Tweedy's wing is like yeah. the best thing you can have. Um, it, it doesn't look like they're um touring a whole lot they right now. Ju- I know that they were just in the UK. I okay. think they do pretty well in the UK and Europe. And then um, I imagine, been, I imagine. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like they opened. They were in San Francisco a couple years back with Wilco, but I've been keeping an eye out for them, um, coming to California and I haven't seen anything, but I'm keeping an eye. Yeah. Um, we'll get it. We'll get it. So yeah. So we're going to play a track off, uh, off the siren song, their 2017 most recent album. Um, and you'll hear the differences between that last song, strange country. And, uh, this song we're going to play that's called a certain kind of memory just in production alone. Yeah. Um, and yet, yeah, obviously produced by Jeff Tweedy and, uh, Shall we just dive in? Yeah, dive in. All right. So this is a certain kind of memory off Casey and Clayton's 2017 album, The Siren Song. Shouldn't come to 
last song before we go anywhere it was killing me what song it reminds me of so if you have that beginning um in your brain for a second um damn it youtube i hate it so much yeah uh so anyway it reminds me so much of get the same vibe yeah so this is um karen dalton something on your mind um, Nailed I, it. Yeah, I think she's like a 1960s or 70s. Um, well, that anyway. voice, though. <laughs> I, oh, I love her. I love her. I remember... Uh, I didn't say... I couldn't Karen say I Dalton. loved it. So right our, uh, our uncle Carl, our dad's brother, uh, really loves... Um, just has a lot... Loves a lot of like female vocalists from the 60s and 70s. And I remember when we were in... Madrid, we had this, he was teaching there and I was visiting, um, he was teaching study abroad. So he had a, this little apartment with like a little balcony and every night we'd sit and we'd drink wine and we'd like smoke cause he was smoking cigarettes in Madrid. Cause he's like, I can't smoke in a, at home in the States, but I can smoke here. So who's fucking chain that's smoking? Just a, he was just chain weird, smoking like, the compart- entire time. That's like a compartmentalization. That's like so strange. I mean, it's amazing to me though, when you can smoke like that and then just go home and stop like, and he can, he, he would do that. So anyway, we'd, we, and he'd be telling me all this old, you know, family history. And he was constantly playing, uh, all these sort of female artists that I just never heard of. And Karen Dalton was one of them. And he's okay. like, I don't know if you'd like Karen Dalton. She's kind of, you know, she's kind of different. And her he played me that song and I was like, taste, oh, but I, her sound is really cool. It's it, fucking cool. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, that, uh, that last song reminded me of that. Um, but yeah, the production in that is really, really gorgeous. I think so. Um, so and also it's kind of, it's kind of funny when they, they do these full band renditions of their songs because it almost feels like, um, uh, Clayton has to kind of take a little bit of a step back from playing as much as he does when he's playing acoustic. And I like it so much when he plays like 
his that, like strange country type of yeah, guitar. I love that guitar playing, but you can tell he's kind of laying back too. a little bit, which is fine. In that song, yeah. I will say there's there's songs on this album, the Siren Song, where he's he's definitely yeah. showing his uh But he is such an incredible guitar. guitar player. Like it, I yeah. know we've already kind of talked and about he's, it. He's but. doing really not to not to be overlooked, he's doing yeah. some pretty fabulous harmonies. Yeah. Um like Strange Country, you can hear him in the chorus in this strange country or whatever he's doing. Yeah, and they have those those kinds, and he has a few songs where he like he doesn't. He has one he song lead, where he sings yeah. lead in one, um, and then he has another one where they kind of go back and forth, and he like has a really strong uh, lead. And they kind of go back and forth in the verse, Vocal and he kind of leads it into the chorus. Yeah, and that sounds really good. But the, the, I mean, in addition to his voice just being good, they have various. Uh, their voices are very uh, sympathetic towards each other because yeah. they don't overuse like vibrato or anything like that or any no, kind of, of them, yeah. awkward or any kinds of like runs really like you'll hear more in yeah. like blues or R&B or like soul they're not music. Overdoing it, yeah. They're they're more rooted in that uh that folk tradition where they kind of hold notes out. Yeah. as as clearly as possible. Yeah. And so when Casey sings, you know, a note that's really clear okay. and you know, obviously on pitch, it's it's he really matches it well with his uh style. In that last song we played, she's going, "Look away my and she's holding it and he's going or he's sorry that was awful but he's doing he's doing like a uh, descending thing behind her yeah. and it sounds so good yeah they're they really work you can tell they really work hard on their harmonies and they really he obviously works really hard at his guitar playing because he's on a special level of guitar playing that few few people hit, hit that plateau that he's at yeah with guitar playing so yeah kudos to clayton Linthicum, and yeah, it's a TH, yeah, so we're not just Linthicum. I know, like, <laughs> it's I don't, not Linthicum, yeah. <laughs> I don't have the best speaking voice, but yeah, that's actually his last name. It's L I N T H I C U M. Um, yeah, and then um, I, I was trying to figure out um, sort of where if if they had any technical training as far as um, vocal or instrumental, and it really doesn't seem. I th I think it's all self taught. I think, I think the thing is, is like you can say self taught all you want today if you don't you know go to a guy in a room and <laughs> get yeah. lessons but how self-taught are we really in this age of information when you can just go to youtube and like well, but look up anything i don't know they're on a farm who knows what they are they have the internet i mean i hope got, they did yeah, they've yeah got they it. must have. They have to yeah. there's no way you learn how to play guitar or banjo or whatever you started out yeah. like that and not have access to these resources that we have nowadays which is incredible and um it sounds like he's been playing guitar for 14 years now so almost yeah. exactly the same amount of time that i have but he i mean i when i started it was definitely really tough to find that kind of information you'd have to like go out yeah. and buy how to dvds or yeah. you know watch a certain artist play and then just try to line it up with the tabs or line like look in the mirror like back and forth and say oh is my hand looking like that is my hand at the right angle oh, yeah. is my thumb doing the right thing you know and it, the the thing beyond all that is with the with the finger picking that he's doing up top with his uh his ring finger his middle finger and his index finger there's patterns there that you have to you have to play it the same way every time because yeah. if you that's so yeah and, and I mean the it, same kind of thing that Justin Towns Earl does where he's yeah, doing like but almost he, like a, his is on a the next level like Justin Towns Earl is really really good but he uses uh, his thumb and index finger almost really? exclusively yeah and um so what Casey's doing is really special because he can also Clayton, employ sorry, sorry Clayton. <laughs> what Clayton's doing is really special because he he also employs that thumb pick so he can do like 
these long, like they almost sound like harp, like strums, like drum. Yeah, stuff yeah, he like does that. it in strange country. But he's a lot, also yeah. so clean with like his triplets and his sixteenth note rhythms, like up top with those three fingers I was talking about. So he's a he's a well practiced, well rehearsed uh, guitarist, and I, I'd be shocked if he like if he was just like, no, this is just the way I came out of the womb. And it's like, I think that he had to have just been like a sponge and looking up yeah. no, as and much information and as just possible. Practicing a lot. Again, that work yeah. ethic of like, what am I going to work at all day? Yeah. You know, the other thing is like, especially like, it's very philosophical. Like they say like the <laughs> guy, the first about. guy, and I can't remember his name, but the first guy, like one guy broke the four minute mile. Right. And it shows that it's possible to run a four-minute mile. So then the next year, like, three people break the, the four-minute mile. And where I'm getting at is, like, in this age where there's more and more information available and you're readily seeing, like, more and more results that people right. have and people can achieve, it it just kind of breeds this um, effect where people are just getting better and better and better and better at things. And there's, yeah. like, more people who are, who are at that level of proficiency. Yeah. So I'm sure that, like... It really helps, you know, growing up and living in this era of... And we're also of, able to see more of those people that are really... Yeah, because of, like, social talented, media and video. Well, just, like yeah, because YouTube of, like, YouTube. Instagram videos. Like, how many times have it's you, like... It's a big playing field everybody can yeah. join, as opposed to, like, you know, what, 30 years ago, where it's, like, you better have a record deal or nobody's going to no hear your hear fucking you. music. And how, like, yeah. how many times do you, like, scroll through your Instagram feed and you just see someone doing something amazing? Like, no matter yeah. what it is. Yeah, it, it, it could be, out. like, a guy, like, pole vaulting or some chick, like, sprinting the hurdles or some guy, like, dunking a basketball. Just like playing piano whatever or whatever. It is. Yeah. Like, you see amazing things every single day Painting. from the most random people. Yeah. And that wasn't even, that wasn't even, that didn't exist at all when we were in high school, even. Yeah. You know? Yeah, not even. So they, they like, they did have their formative years, you know, 10 years old, 12 years old when we were, you know, f learning how to play the guitar and he was also learning how to play guitar, but I think he was able to intersect his passion of playing guitar. Like probably when he was really hitting his stride, it's probably when he was about 16, 17, 18, I imagine. Which is like when they yeah. released their first album. <laughs> yeah. Well, he was, he was 19, right? Or that, that was um, the math we did. The 18, math. 19. Okay, so in 2009, they were 12 and 14, and their first album comes out in 2013. So four years later, so yeah. he's 18. Because I like I hit my biggest. And she's 16. Like if you talk about my spike of like learning how to play guitar, my biggest improvements, measurable improvements, were like age 14 to 17. And so I didn't really have access to the internet in the same capacity that I'm sure he did when he was going from 14 to 17 to 18. Huh. And I think like that had to have helped tremendously, like having the wealth of information to draw from because he is on such another level. Like what he's almost on that like level. Um, how oh, that what's his name? Uh, Emmanuel, uh, what the hell's his name? Emmanuel, guitar player. This is gonna drive me crazy. Um, let me look it up real quick. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, Tommy Emmanuel. Yeah, Tommy Emmanuel. Oh, yeah. Like, if you watch Tommy Emmanuel play guitar, and I'll like bring up this little just so you can kind of get a concept of what he looks like when he's playing. But he has like this incredibly advanced style of guitar playing that's oh, like all over the very place. similar to Clayton. Totally. He's jumping and around the neck a, a lot. <laughs> this is like a diff. I mean, he's 
a really special guitar player. What a badass. And if you haven't heard of Tommy Emmanuel, please look him up, especially if you're an acoustic guitar player. But he has that same kind of vibe where he's playing um, with like these lead lines and he has the thumb pick. It's so full. It sounds, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, insane. But I I feel like singing, yeah, I I feel like being (laughs) able to draw from just things like that, like just being able to go to a YouTube video and look up Tommy Emmanuel. I'm sure you could look up like Tommy Emmanuel lessons and shit like that. And I, it's like, like I said, growing up back in the day, we didn't have that same resource and being a younger artist and a younger instrumentalist, like I'm sure that he's had to have used those kind of resources. And again, just to wrap it up, he's just like an incredible guitar player. <laughs> so <laughs> they um, we're just, and this is all me being hy- like hypothesizing because we couldn't find out much about their, his uh, training or whatever. But um, I imagine that he had again. To have drawn. They're they're small. I found a couple of interviews that we're pulling from, but honestly, like I couldn't. There's a lot of questions I would have loved to ask them and say, like, hey, like, you know, did you guys even finish high school? If yeah. you fucking really do yeah. when you were 16 and 18. Totally. Like, I'd just love to know. Um, and they've been touring like crazy. Um, so we're gonna play another song off uh, Siren Song. But before we do all, uh, they do ask him about uh, songwriting comp- and how the compositions work. Um, and Casey says we go back and forth. Um, and then Clayton says something that reminds me so much of the way we, me, you and I write. Um, he says it's kind of a filtering process. We both trust each other's opinions. And sometimes it's kind of frustrating if something is rejected by the other person. But in the end, it's rewarding because you feel that much um, better. You feel much better about the songs that they pass through two minds. I think there's something unique that you don't get just working on songs by yourself. And then she says, yeah, having a person that you trust as much or more than yourself that can give just an opinion or change something or tell you what they, they think, like things that I might be unsure about and then Clayton might think is really great or maybe I'm really confident in it and Clayton thinks it's awful and he tries <laughs> to cover it up by saying, it's fine, but, and I'm like, oh, that reminds me of <laughs> when I show you a song and you're like, let's focus on this other song. And I'm like, oh God, yeah. it's probably terrible. It's a filtration process though, you know, like if it, <laughs> if it filters through you, through me, and then, eventually, filter, yeah. and then eventually it trickles down and filters through Tommy and Alante, then we yeah. know we've got something. If everyone's exactly. like, hey, we should definitely go with this one, you know, yeah. like that's an empowering feeling. And, it, and the confidence is also half the battle too. Because if you're not confident in your execution and your performance and your songwriting, then it's going to come across as, you know, shaky and, yeah. and you won't, you're not going to fool anyone. You yeah. know, unless you have that confidence of being your authentic self. So yeah. the filtration process is immensely important. And again, it's somebody that you, you trust um, totally. and you respect musically, which is so cool. So let's play one more and then we'll uh, wrap, wrap it up and then, and then up. end on my favorite song of theirs. It's and kind we, of a downer. We, we so were, we're going <laughs> to end on a downer. But first, we're going to play yeah. sort of a more upbeat song from the Siren song. It's actually their opening track so this is only one two three four five six seven eight this is a nine song album and, and that's you, you short know it's sweet you know what's really cute oh man i'm gonna have trouble finding this quote now but um oh here we go um so when they're when they talk about this album um uh they say basically they want everybody to hear it and give them a chance uh clayton says give her a try and anderson says so this is casey says um we ain't saying it's good, but we're not saying it's bad. But hey, it's not very long, so give it a listen. <laughs> They're so long. humble. They're, They're so cute. Are they I know. so Canadian or what? Yeah, yeah. so it's, it's a nine-song record, and it's, it's, I think it's really fabulous. I listen to it a lot when I'm trying to sort of uh, 
mellow out. So, uh, so yeah, so here's uh, one of their upbeat tracks again. Um, and a lot of cool electric guitar in this too. Um, and sort of, I would say like maybe his debut of playing electric guitar, the first song in this album, um, as opposed to him doing all his acoustic stuff. So this is the light of day off of uh, Casey and Clayton's 2017 record, The Siren Song. song um do yourself a favor and like pull them up the first uh verse um is just so good um it's basically about i pictured it's kind of like it reminds me of the john prine song that we do angel from montgomery where it's kind of like about this sort of restless uh housewife type like a woman that's sort of complacent in her day-to-day and sort of uh fighting this kind of depression and sort of lackluster like feelings of kind of I don't know, like she could be doing more. Um, but this is more about kind of keep your thoughts to yourself and you'll be fine. Don't let them see the light of day. Tell the people what they want to hear and you always have the right thing to say. And it, it starts off with like a very visual sort of description of like a woman um, looking at a photograph of like an old lover um, and sort of uh, 
thinking of it as a distant time and place and uh and then just going through her day-to-day life which is like really sort of unsatisfying yeah Yeah, and it's just it's i mean at 20 (laughs) she's 20 when she wrote that it's insane to me like it's just so um impressive how you can get into that mindset and really write this really good lyrics i just read them all yeah they're they're really cool cool. um and that's uh that's something that i think is gonna be really fun to see how as they sort of progress i mean just to be frank in age as they kind of grow um what's gonna how incredible those lyrics are going to become and how much more I, i think it's always tough to like try to measure the arc of a band because how many bands have we loved that their first and second album are like their most incredible albums and then they kind of somehow lose the magic well i wonder about these guys because they're they started so young yeah. you know they were teenagers with their I'm not first saying record. they're gonna lose the magic for the record what i'm trying no, to no, say no. is <laughs> I, I think we can appreciate like what they have now no i'm not what saying they that have we don't now is so good yeah I, i'm i can't pretend that I, i'm gonna know like everything's gonna get even better like because yeah. who knows I think maybe it's it gonna won't. be different I mean, if you look at their first record versus their third, it's obviously a huge, huge, hugely influenced and impacted by Jeff Tweedy. Yeah. Um, and I think it's I think it's a great sound they have on their I album. I think it's great. Their new album has, like their first two albums, their first album has a very stripped down acoustic guitar, two yeah. vocals, mostly one vocal yeah. um, kind of style to it, yeah. which is, is really full because of the yeah. guitar playing and, and the way that she holds out you know, the, the notes and, and yeah. her melodies. And then the second one, they start to flirt with full band a little bit. Yep. And so that's a little bit of an evolution. Yeah. And then in the third album, uh, they really um, embrace the full band sound. Yeah. And it, it's a great sound. Like yeah. Jeff Tweedy did a great job producing it. They did a great job executing the performances yeah. in it. And I, I love when somebody like a Jeff Tweedy type or like a Dan Arbach type um, who has their own band and their own music and their own um, style of writing and recording and and songwriting and all that can look at a band like Casey and Clean that's completely different from yeah. what they do and make it just shine. Yeah, you know, without really any you know background in recording a folk record, like he doesn't really need yeah. that. He listens to them and goes, "I know how to make this sound good." Yeah, and, and that's that's a great that's and what he great does production. Isn't anything like isn't anything crazy. He just lets them do their thing and shine yeah. in their and moment. Supports it, yeah, and because it's it would be so easy to be like, let's add, you know, a horn section here or let's add, you know, this weird break here with like maybe an electric organ or something like that. But he just strips it down, records it impeccably. So whatever gear and equipment he's using, the capture is so uh, breathtaking. Like the way that he captures the guitar and the way he captures her voice is, is what's incredible about the production of this album. So I think he does an incredible job. I hope they keep rolling with him in the production side of things. I, I don't know what their, their plans are for their next their next record as far as if they're... Um, I think there's definitely one in the making. I think they're, they've been hitting the road quite a bit with the Siren song. But again, that was 2017. They have no dates so as of right now. They don't right. It's 2019. I mean, hopefully uh, something's I think they're cooking. Due. I think they're due. Something's cooking, yeah. Because they two, recorded, two what was good. it, 2015, 16... Oh, sorry, 13, 16, and 17. Wow. So yeah. they've come out with three albums. Oh, you in know the last... what? Sorry, they came out with a single in 2018. Ooh. Or a, it's a, it's like a two song, what do you call that? 
an EP or a... Uh, yeah, uh, um, LP, or, uh, called, sorry, uh, yeah, an EP. It's my called yeah. Aquarium Drunkard's Lagniep... I think they call it a single. Lagniep Session? What is that yeah, word? Yeah, that's a rough word. L-A-G-N-I-A-P-P-E, <laughs> Lagniep Session, and it's got two songs, Ben in the Water and Calgary, um, yeah, which we'll I've, I've heard, yeah, um... So, so they, they did something in 2018. So that's, that's, that's good. good news. Yeah, that's yeah. good news. So, well, I mean, it seems like this is the life that they've created for themselves and I How can't cool. imagine they're going to stop doing it anytime soon, even if it's not, I mean, I don't think, first of all, I'm not saying that they're going to break up at all, but hypothetically, like, even if they don't continue with this, they're still going to be doing other stuff. So it, they're, they're incredibly talented songwriters, lyricists. Obviously, we've I've rammed, rambled and ranted about Clayton's guitar playing. This you know whole time, what I forgot to say is that they're, uh, they're going to keep keep doing it. Clayton, uh, Clayton, the guitarist, he uh, he was also Casey and Clayton is his main thing, and I think will always be. But he was also briefly I don't know if he still is uh, playing with uh, the Deep Dark Woods, the band. The oh, Deep I'm gonna Dark have to Woods. check that out. That um, for sure now. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So I think the current members are yeah Ryan Bolt. Jeff Hillhorst and Evan Cheadle, but a past member is Clayton. So Clayton was playing with them maybe for like a year or two. He was touring nice, with them a nice. little bit. Um, so he, he got, to, and he said it was kind of fun to play in like a full band kind of yeah. thing where he didn't really have to worry about songwriting or that yeah. kind of thing. Um, but his, I think his heart is kind of playing with, totally. Case, with Casey. It seems to be that way. They seem to be, uh, they seem to be kind of spiritually connected with their songwriting. So yeah. It's just the way it is. It's just meant to be. It's a Lennon McCartney situation. Yeah. Not to, you know, compare them to the, <laughs> to <laughs> to the greatest direct, songwriting directly duo. Directly <laughs> to them. But yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's like, God, these people were meant to uh to create music together. My yeah. goodness. Um Yeah. But yeah, I think we're gonna wrap it up. I mean, we were real chatty Cathy's in the last episode, so maybe our we'll, three hour we'll, Manson yeah, episode. Maybe we'll spare you guys a little bit in this one. Where I was just cringing every time I said Terry Mulcher instead yeah, of Melcher, it's okay. and it's yeah, okay. it's it all good. I'm I I said <laughs> I said a lot of things. I said well, basically like <laughs> like thirty it's funny times. We talked about vocal ticks, and like you don't. I noticed my vocal tick is like, okay, so, or so, or something like that. <laughs> and then when I'm looking at something really quick or trying to find something, um, and then you apparently say basically all the time, I was, but I, I, kept I, getting, I never noticed. I kept getting derailed in the end. And like, <laughs> at that point we probably had like a couple glasses well, we of did, wine we did and the, I was like trying to figure out where I was in this stupid Manson story. And I dude, just kept too, on being like, it was basically. too fucking much. I think we did, we did the kind of the best we could on the, the things we tried to focus on, but like what else, what else, the other thing we did, and I kind of realized it as we were nearing the end, like we're two and a half hours in, we started at like nine. So it was like past 11, like almost midnight I had work the next day we were both tired and like I realized I'm like fuck we saved like the heaviest part of this story until <laughs> the very end like the actual the most tired murder yeah. part and I'm like Jesus and and so we, we definitely just got it out of the way in the beginning yeah <sighs> looking I, I, back <laughs> we could have um, yeah I love how we're like hind, Captain Hindsight here like, oh dude it's and it's you know if 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 you've want to hear the details about the murder this is not really the podcast you want to come to for that and i, yeah. I didn't want to scare anybody away 
with with something graphic and weird. So yeah, I think that, I think we we tiptoed around it, but we, we said to. that we were tiptoeing yeah. around it. We're like we're not trying to like yeah. pretend it's not a big deal, but we're also not trying to get into the graphics of it because that's not what our listeners. Yeah, it's very important, it's but it's important not. We don't want to get. I mean, like, and yeah. I know I have friends and and family or not family so much, but I have friends who have told me that like because I'll talk to anyone who will listen about true crime. Yeah, and I've had friends Some don't say like, like that's really disturbing to me. Like I don't want to hear that. Yeah. you know, and I'm like. Tom, Tom, like, okay. Tom was like that okay. when I um, I kind of got Tom into like true crime documentaries because he just like me, he's interested in sort of like the like how they catch a guy. I love how like the FBI like yeah. catches people like um, that's a great like the yeah. Mindhunter guy. Um, like I'm so fascinated with like how they do that, and then also how like the trial goes. the The Manson trial is fucking fascinating. Yeah. Like if you read Helter Skelter, um, I don't it, I don't think it's tricky to read if you are kind of uh what's the word uh sensitive to that kind of violence yeah. i don't i think it's more of a um vincent bugliosi talking about the actual trial and how they how they fucking pull it off which is yeah. amazing so i I've, I've gotten tom into that but he as far as just like it used to be as far as just like listening to this really kind of the story of the true crime it, it would really bum him out yeah funny and i get it funny enough like uh, we've, you know, when we ever do our marketing for our podcast, we post it in certain, you know, forums and, and we post it on Reddit and some subs and stuff oh. like that. <laughs> and we had some guy just go oh, batshit no. crazy. Like it was all like Helter Skelter isn't real. It was all invented by, you know, oh, he's like a Manson supporter. Oh yeah. He's a Manson oh, supporter. God. And he was like, he was railroaded by the blah, blah, blah. And I was like, can't agree with you, but, <laughs> but respect the passion. Like, oh man, I we're mean, gonna get hunted down by yeah, the people's by the passion. Family about it is what makes it so interesting. And like, it was like the same thing when um we the first rewind we did about like the Beatles, like Paul hit, is dead. like Paul is dead, like the Beatles, like hidden thing. I had like so many people like comment just like this is stupid. It's not real, and it's like, dude, it, no one's saying it's real. You know, and then yeah. with this Manson thing, it's like I'm. Well, obviously, I'm saying that it's he definitely he's like a, was that shit crazy. He's a shitty yeah. criminal. Yeah. But the thing that makes it interesting is like the cultural phenomenon. That's why yeah. it's important to history. That's and why its connection it, again with music, which is the most yeah. fascinating part. I so, think. like when I say you know Paul is dead conspiracy, people know what I'm talking about. Not because I believe, and not because they believe. Yeah. It's because that it. I don't was, think Elvis is alive. Yeah, it's because it was an. In, in t- <laughs> integral part I wish he was. of music <laughs> history. It was just a weird, yeah. strange phenomenon. Yeah. That's important. Yeah. And and it it frustrates me when people are like, I don't agree with this, so fuck this. Are they you know what listening I mean? or are they just seeing it and I whatever. think they're just seeing it. But, yeah. but at the same time it's like it's like no, no one says you have to believe it to acknowledge that it's an important God, I It's like, I don't believe that Hitler was correct with his, but the, you can't deny that the Holocaust was like in, in a huge part of history. Yeah. Like, so. If well, you, and, and you, if you don't learn history, you're doomed to repeat yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so anyway, that's I my little rant important. about like history because yeah. we've only gotten those kinds of responses to like these history oh, podcasts where people are like on one side and they want to argue for it, even though no one's arguing about anything. You no, know? we're just talking. We're just telling yeah. the story. We're but just any- storytelling here. Anyway, we have a little bit of Radio Keys news. Um, essentially, we are taking a little bit of time off 
to really focus on the album. We're not sure if we're going to get a podcast out. We might miss a week for this podcast, um, but we're still alive. We got some cool bands yeah, lined up. We got up, some though, cool bands lined really up, and we just got some about. really cool um, feedback from an artist we've been hunting down for a long time. Yes. And um, so we are going to be doing the podcast. It just might not come out as rapidly as it had been. Like weekly, mm-hmm. we might miss a week. It might come out every 10 days. Um, however, we look at it. We just really want to put as much work as we can in on the album. Well, I think when we started this podcast, there was we were really, uh, and we're fans of podcasts that are really diligent in like coming out every Monday, or every Wednesday, or every Sunday, and like I, I think that that was the goal first off. But um, the reality of it is that like life does get in the way and also um also we didn't like we were going to record the manson one earlier and we both looked at each other that night and i was like i'm not ready yeah and you were like i'm not ready either and it was and it's such a big barely ready when we fucking recorded i know i wasn't really either i was like i could i could read more chapters in this book you know and and be better yeah but we just kind of had to knock it out and i think we did a good job but it's it's so it's a little bit of like let's do let's do the bands justice so we can research let's do the rewinds justice and also like you know let's work our fucking boring jobs and like do what we have to do and then also right now our priority for the next month is nailing this album because like we've talked about as a band it's like this is what you know what tom said to me he said he's like this feels like you know like the last like since you moved here maybe six months Mm -hmm. like six months culminating in like this of just like playing like crazy and, and practicing and getting our lockout and like getting really good as a band this is like that like reward of hey we get to press it down he he compared it to he's like he's like it's like when you sketch for a painting for six months and then you start the painting yeah and he's like how exciting is that you know like you have this like physical tangible piece of like all this all this work that we've put into it i compare it more to like we these last six months have been the regular season and this recording session are the playoffs yeah, like, well, you're going to you go get, to sports. Get, I'm going to go. One, but like with the painting, it's like you have time. You've been practicing. You have for, time for it. Yeah. Like, this well, let's is, pretend you, you have get, to finish it in four days. Yeah, this <laughs> which is, is like, hard. Which is why yeah. I think it's more like or the you playoffs. Have a deadline. It's like you, say you have paintings to. Paintings can have deadlines. Yeah, they can. Yeah. But you have to like this. Is, you have a game. You're going yeah. to this game. You play it and you win or lose. You're coming and in and you're. And, and, it's, and that's the way I, I feel yeah, about it. Yeah, I don't think we're going to lose. But it's, we're it's, gonna lose. it's just really exciting. Well, you can't um, be afraid and of then losing. we have we have this piece of, of this uh, labor of love. We have a, a piece of it yeah. that is sort of a culmination of it that we can. Uh, I don't think I'm going to have kids, but, you know, pass down through our families and just have like a little piece of this music thing that we did yeah. that we are can hopefully tour with, can hopefully you know, push out into the world and hopefully the world doesn't shrug as dad would say. Yeah. That's always the worst feeling, but so just a few dates. (laughs) I'm going to be proud of it either way. I want to press vinyls. I think that's one of the things we're going to do just to hold a radio keys record. Can you imagine? That'd be rad. Yeah. So just to kind of uh, wrap this thing up, we have a few dates coming up. We have March 30th in San Francisco at the downstairs neck of the woods. And we're playing with our good friends swoon. They're part of the mountain vibe family with us. And we're playing also with Roxy Rawson and El Gato Dice. Yeah. Um, I've never played Neck of the Woods. I've been. Yeah, I've never played there either. I've seen Tommy play I'm, there, I'm but I've never been. It. Yeah, I'm excited. We haven't played then San after Francisco that, in a while. We have kind of like a fun little four-day adventure where um, I'm going to play a little solo show at 
the Clayton Club in Clayton, uh, California. I saw for that. Jay Young. He, Jay Young's putting on like an open mic uh, thing it's on a Thursdays, Thursday night? Nice. and he's having featured artists come in and play Aww. like an hour set. What are I'm, you gonna do solo? Everything. No, I don't. You're know. You're like all the songs I, have, I wrote I and some, didn't tell you about. No, I have a, I have some <laughs> originals that I I play Won't kind of by myself. Down. I play like "Won't Let You Down." I love that song. I play uh, the "I Hate My Job" song. Are we gonna put that? <laughs> are we gonna put that? Those on our acoustic album? Do you think? Uh, yeah. Why not? Yeah. yeah, we are. We have them recorded. Actually, we so just have to record vocals on basically, them. Basically, yeah, we're we're uh, we're gonna go into the studio at the end of April, um, Prairie Sun, and record our full band album. Um, and it's TBD how many tracks that's gonna be. But then we have we've fourteen. Also, we're gonna record. It looks right. like. I think, and then kind of pick and choose Probably from there. Pick ten or eleven. Yeah, um, and then we have um, some other sort of radio key songs that Stu and I played as a two piece for you know the ten years or whatever that or six years before we got Alante and Tom on, and. Uh, and we've kind of found a place for them on a little acoustic album that we're going to cut that'll probably be like eight or nine songs. And that one kind of got uh, railroaded a little bit because... Well, I got really sick when we were recording it. Yeah, uh, there was like, that. Like and then my computer got really sick. <laughs> and then your computer got sick. Yeah, like I, I I, did all these vocal recordings and we listened to them and I was like, I'm clearly Yeah, we just got to do them again. Yeah, so we got to redo them. And then, because uh, you want it to be the best it can be. We were originally planning on releasing that, sort of quietly releasing that and then our big one, but I think it might go vice versa. But anyway, we have some content coming out. Yeah. Is the point. And then, so that um, little four-day thing, it starts with me at the Clayton Club club on the 11th of april and then we're playing jam sellers in napa downtown in napa, napa on the 12th of april it's a very cool um venue it's like a tasting room and then it has like a little and the the people behind jam sellers are also behind the blue note and bottle rock nice so yeah and then the guy that booked us and I, i'm forgetting his name right now off the top of my head but he uh we emailed back and forth and he said he's a musician too. So we, we can't, we had a really good rapport um, and he gave us a really good deal, which is really yeah. cool. Um, so we're going to play there. Um, and then we're playing the mountain vibe uh, pre-party, the official pre-party in uh, Placerville. I got to say cool. I got us a cool Airbnb, like four minutes away, by the way. Ooh, yeah, yeah. I booked it because I was looking at Airbnb in, pl in the actual proper Placerville, like not trucky or somewhere nearby. And there was like one in Placerville. Yeah. So I booked it and we're going to, be uh yeah we're gonna be hanging a little Hell band yeah. vacation be Hell fun yes. yeah so we've got that coming up and then um obviously the next show neck of the woods and uh and then recording and then we'll we'll go from there yeah um so we're gonna play one last i think casey and clayton song um we're gonna end on a bummer <laughs> if everyone's okay with it yeah well it's so it's so cool like um how they really don't stray away from these kind of um, heavy topics uh, like folk songs do. You know, they're talking about murder. They're talking about yeah. people throwing their babies in the river or Jesus. whatever terrible. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and it's <laughs> it's like they're Just not trying away a baby, from huh? it. Yeah, but I mean, it's kind of this classic, like I keep saying tall tales, but there's another like folklore, I guess, um, these kind of stories. Um, and even like some biblical kind of cool references. But, uh, so this last song we're going to play is, uh, one of my just personal favorites that I was really thought was really, um, kind of touching and it's off the siren song and it's called a lifeboat. Um, and it's Casey singing and it's basically, uh, being on the road and, uh, uh, having your relationship fall apart because you're on the road and um, being betrayed by your lover. Um, and there's some really sort of... Uh, well, that definitely happened to me in my there's life. There's some really sophisticated lyrics in here that are really heartbreaking, like uh, 
my favorite uh, line she says is uh, basically they're saying she's saying you can't take it on your own so you take a stranger home instead and the, my favorite part she says why'd you give yourself away when you know that you're mine so they're talking about mm. and it's really heartbreaking the way she sings it too so anyway enjoy this last song um, A Lifeboat and she makes a very cool comparison in the beginning to uh, Envy being a lifeboat and jealousy being an oar we could brave the tempest and row to shore basically like their relationship is so wrought with envy and jealousy that it's 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 the strength of their did you ever did i ever tell you what matt told me one day it was a really cool thing hmm. um the difference between jealousy and envy yes but uh, I'll, I'll let you say it on the yeah. <laughs> it was kind of cool i don't know if it's 100 percent true but uh I, I never you know fat check fact checked him but I think he, he's, no i think he's right i know the he used it as make. like a gold. he used a gold cup as an example he's like envy is when you have a gold cup and i want it and jealousy. I'm envious it, of it. Yeah, yeah. Envy is when you have a gold cup and I wish I had it. Yeah. Jealousy is when I have a gold cup and I'm worried that you're going to take it. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. And um, no, that's great. Yeah. yeah. I like that because I, I, I used to use them interchangeably yeah. as well. Um, but yeah, there's some really cool, uh, really sophisticated sort of songwriting and metaphors in this. And I think it's just a really uh, emotional song and it's just gorgeous the recording as well and they have some uh some really great little guitar leads as well um so we're gonna end on that um the song a lifeboat off the siren song by casey and clayton uh thanks casey and clayton for letting oh, us yeah, of cover you and usually we <laughs> usually please, we say that earlier yeah please come to uh please come to california yeah. we'll uh We'll open for you guys. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> we'll Please. open for you guys. We'll uh, pour some wine for you. Oh, yeah. Some, you can uh, stay in my apartment. Whatever, <laughs> whatever works. Whatever works. Yeah. My name's Stuart. And my name's Emily. And we're going to keep searching for that sweet, sweet soul, soul music. music. Like
You are mine.